Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. I'm going to pick four stories I saw in Smashy Business this week, all about AI. So UAE is using AI to solve rental disputes. A UAE generative AI company, Lumi, has secured funding. Uh, we've seen UAE invest a lot in NVIDIA chips, and there's also an estimation that the global AI industry is going to be receive uh, reach 200 billion investment by the year 2025. So it's all AI at the moment in the startup investment world, and it's a busy summer where it's lot, lots going on. This week's interview is uh, about an events company. Uh, our sister brand, Love in Dubai, our media partnerships for the Emirates Women's Run this year in November. And the company behind organizing it is our guest this week. So enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. Today we're joined by Dr. Harmeek Singh. He's the founder of Plan B Group, regarded as one of the finest uh, UAE's marketing and events companies with an award-winning reputation for successfully delivering complex events, of which there's many variety in Dubai, so we'll hear all about that, especially for government and semi-government entities. Good morning, Dr. Harmeek. Good morning, Richard. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, so yeah, so tell us a little bit about Plan B. Uh, Plan B is, uh, is is something that probably was formed in 2004. It's almost 19 years and uh, I can relive every moment of it. <laughs> so yeah, as uh, what I have uh, figured out that Dubai, where probably Dubai has grown and with it, a people who have been here has grown as well. So it's been 19 years and I've grown with Dubai. No, wow, so 19 years and, you're, and you've seen lots of changes in Dubai, um, but did it start at, what it started out as uh, and what Plan B is today, uh, you know, how, how can you describe that? See, the opportunities that probably you, I have figured out over here, it has been more than fair and it is something probably what I can relate to. And I think people who are listening as well need to probably just see this, how it has been. So I came to this part of the world and uh, my first stint over here was my first uh, employment, which was at 2,700 dirhams. And I worked for 10 months. And the way that probably I got into my entrepreneurial role was because I come from a background of an entrepreneur. And uh, since then, it's been history. So like from 2,700 dirhams, today I have eight companies over here. Eight uh, companies? Yeah, I wow. have, uh, we have expanded in Saudi, we have expanded in Qatar, we got offices in Russia, in London in Singapore. So yeah, I can't complain. And that's where probably I see the opportunities are meant to be if you are ready to work for it. Mashallah. And so the first role that you came, uh, you know, was it in events or how did it start off? I come from a background with, which was very different from events. So I learned everything uh, with a practical experience. And I am a firm believer degrees and, uh, and all the kind of uh, certification does do help, but again, practical experience is something that probably takes uh, takes uh, what it makes it for you to probably make it. I 
was uh, my first job was in printing industry so i came in and that's all i can good i could get because i don't bring anything as a background so i was good at sales so i got something as an opportunity and i learned it and from that it was one step that probably leads to the other so printing led me to production production led me to exhibitions exhibition led me to events events to strategy marketing technology so yeah you name it yeah. and so the eight <coughs> companies in plant b group are they all events companies are they part of the ecosystem it's part of the ecosystem so vertical wise we have standalone verticals uh, we have uh, events for which is mass events corporate events but we have a boutique agency as well for events where we have been managing events and brands like bentley uh, brands which probably are creme de la creme so very special so it has got differentiation we do not overlap and that is what is held and this is what we also have learned pre covid so we call it pre covid and post covid so we are a learned lot with uh, what we have done pre covid but we adapted to post covid as well so yeah yeah it's amazing so yeah can you tell us a little bit about it so we've had a few different guests on the show before from events companies and uh, as people as consumers they attend so many events events in dubai from uh, trade events in the world trade center or in expo city uh, from consumer events in the coca cola arena or uh, you know corporate events in hotels and conferences and things like that how would you describe the whole uh, you know your offering do you, do you, do you do all of the above uh, we don't do commercial events so i am not into commercial events we are into rather corporate and what are uh, commercial events commercial events that we do not do ticketed events we do okay. not do concerts we do not get into where we are putting ourselves out for something that we are not known for we are more with working hand in hand with strategies working with government working with key brands working uh, on the deliverables so we are a thinking brand we are a thinking group we gone at the times it used to be that probably an event was meant to be just probably a tick in the box now it's a story now it's uh, got to have a a kind of a deliverable you need to understand the probably what is the objective how do we reach to that what are the kpis so it has evolved and uh, for us also we we work with very very uh, 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 like a very focused mindset what do we want to be so we have got our sector for mass events so we do corporate uh, meets we do work on exhibitions exhibits we work on strategies which is not limited to a event but a complete rollout model so when we talk about a strategy that would mean that probably it has got events it's got activations but it does not limit it to just one particular day uh, so yeah it is it is also to do with that how uh we would like to be probably putting our brand or or our partner to see that probably we are reaching to the end result okay and can you d- which was the sort of first event that you thought was sort of when you started the business 19 years ago that you thought oh wow this is a big professional event and that you pulled it off <clears throat> uh i had uh, like somehow we were working very closely with the uh, the uh the entry level of international brands to come to this part of the world one of the key brands that i still remember and it was like something that i thought that probably i did really well was uh, bonhams bonhams is uh, world's number 2 after christies in the art fraternity is the auctioneers the biggest in uk europe so they wanted to venture out in uae and in the middle east so we joined hands with them and i struck a deal with all uh, all other contemporaries being around but then again we had the auctions we had uh, created a buzz for what bonhams is we had uh, the first ever vintage car auction and vintage car 
kind of a gallery being showcased over here in the UAE. So that event itself changed a lot of uh, perspective for ourselves as well on a self-belief perspective. This was post-2008 crisis. So 2009, 2010, when people were thinking what we should do, we were expanding. And at that point, when the new brands come along, then it only gave, gave us a kind of a encouragement that we can rub shoulders with the best. And that event changed a lot for us. Yeah, it's funny when you think about it, people who don't necessarily understand the history uh, you know, the, the industry wouldn't know that an art auction is considered an, an event and that everything that goes into it needs a specialist to pull it off. Art auction is just not an auction. So what we had to be was first we had to be certified as, as art handlers. So I had a team that probably was equipped and then we were certified for that as well. Each piece was around $600,000 to $1.5 million. So it was about that. So we were responsible for that. High end. Planning it, how do we actually showcase so that it's a story when people come and what it did. So a three-day event would mean that probably we are also responsible to target the right audience to be encouraged to come over there. So the guest list was also something that we managed from our end. Uh, partially with uh, with Bonhams. And then we were also responsible to probably see that probably all the kind of uh, uh, exercises that is required for their requirements for having a proper auction because it's a live auction that is happening over there as well. Mm. So two days would be probably bringing in the right audience, having uh, collaborations with the banking sector, having financial sector to probably just come along and see if there's anybody who wants to have that. So it was a whole lot of learning for us and it was a complete uh, package. So it is not... You come and there's an auction, there's a lot of hard work that goes behind it. There's a lot of planning that requires to be done on that. Yeah, exactly. And of course, these companies, especially when, as you said, when they're coming into the market, they won't have any of the on-ground expertise. Um, but with, with things like, so on top of that, uh, was that something that you became your forte, that size event or that type of event? And did you, you know, look to pitch and propose and win business in, say, the more higher-end corporate, like you mentioned Bentley and these types of brands, is that ha what you got known for? That's that's a sector that then uh, we were trying to be associated with, so like it was uh, the kind of high-end brands, the, the brands that probably are the luxury and the, and the super brands that we were, so we had uh, a team that was working on that, but that is not the question. The question is that probably that gave us the kind of uh, encouragement, the push that we are in a position to probably take over any event. The event sector, or maybe if you call it maybe as a, as a project, a project is not limited to what is a sector, what is the kind of classification of it. A project has to be tackled in the same way. So the ethos remain the same. It is to do with the fact that you understand what the brand requires. It may be probably a mass brand or it might be a luxury brand. And how do we roll out? And how do we actually reach out to our, 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 uh, our destination on that? With that, there's a lot of other things. So we ventured into exhibitions. We worked on partnerships and collaborations. Uh, I took over the project for uh, Crown Prince of Dubai's office for uh, Heritage Championship and, uh, and a lot of other key brands that we started working with. So yeah, it has been uh, a complete revolution. Once you have a mindset that you can achieve a, a kind of a international event, and you look at it that probably yes you can do most of things and then the team expanded we expanded our on our own when 2009-2010 uh, it was a little bit of a slack period for everybody yeah interesting and so when you say exhibitions uh, are we talking about exhibitions that have 10 20,000 people coming through would one would one company look after that from a 
uh, event management point of view? No, we partnered up with exhibition organizers like DMG. And Informa and people Informa like and, and these people. And then we managed key brands, we managed pavilions, and then we were not limited to just production, but we were giving a turnkey solution uh, to have the production, so a rollout model that probably we will also look at a B2B kind of an interaction with the right audience for the people who are exhibiting, because why are they exhibiting? They're exhibiting because they would want to probably get their brand out, they would like to see if they have collaborations in this part of the world, and businesses are happening. If business happens, then uh, you will be having a repeat kind of a uh, feature. Yeah, yeah, when we see, <coughs> you know, anyone who's been fortunate enough to go to the big, uh, uh, I was going to say consumer, but the big exhibitions in Dubai, say Arabian Travel Market, previously the Motor Show, all these big events, uh, Jitex, etc. It's also always fascinating to me, A, how quickly everything is put together and one week World Trade Center is looks like one big showroom and next week it's something else. But B, uh, the magnitude of the pavilions, you know, when especially when you know Emirates have a pavilion there or, or, or local brands like at Tisala and things like that. So, uh, you know, I always wonder what goes behind it and how do you pull that off? Do you have, uh, you know, yes, there's a strategy and a storyboard and everything, but how do you actually physically do it? Do you have joinery teams? Do you have uh, all these resources available to you? So one of the companies that uh, only takes care of joinery, we have uh, 400 plus skilled labor, skilled people, mm. and that team actually has been uh, amongst the top three. We have been like uh, putting out and churning out quality production and uh, looking at things that probably have been done superhuman effort 24-7 and uh, we have been capable so today I can very proudly say 19 years and zero accidents. Oh wow, Yeah, that's actually good and that's reassuring as a business owner that that you know the practices that you have in place hasn't caused incident and yes. things like that. That's actually pretty cool and uh, yeah I was going to mention the team so uh, you, you know what you mentioned, turnkey, full service, means lots of different people in terms of uh, creative people, strategy people, project managers, different skills. Uh, so how does that work? Do you have everyone uh, on full time and uh, do you, as your business grows, do you invest <clears throat> in different areas? So pre-COVID, like I mentioned, yeah. pre-COVID was everybody was full time and we would like to probably just, uh, because we had uh, multiple brands that we were managing and key brands that probably had budgets and things that we were rollout models. So we had uh, pretty much everybody in-house, pretty much everybody full-time, but post-COVID it has been with uh, a core team with uh, traveling light and looking at that when the projects are there, so we have a massive team that we can actually just probably have this put together. Uh, last year we won uh, the beach soccer uh, Intercontinental Beach Soccer Championship, Beach Soccer and Beach Volleyball at Kite Beach. That was something, again, a head turner for us. And we had in-house teams plus the uh, team that we had to put together mm. to come as a team to, to, to put this out. And today I am proud about the fact that what we did 12 years before, this, is, this, was, this was happening for so many years, I got uh, from uh, the FIFA president for Beach Soccer himself a compliment this is the first time that this has happened to this uh, professional level and uh, we will be in a position to probably announce this very soon about we acquiring the beach soccer fifa world cup that's happening in february in dubai oh wow already acquired by plan b sorry we have acquired yeah. the uh, the uh, beach soccer world cup uh, fifa beach soccer world cup happening in february by, with plan b Oh, that's amazing. And when you say FIFA and president, there's a different president. For, for beach soccer. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, to that point, over the years, is it tempting to create your own IP? And is it tempting 
to do consumer events? We have uh, worked on that, and we are like we are mindful about how, in in the market scenario, anything that is stagnant would always crumble. So mm-hmm. we are flowing, and we work and we adapt based on the market scenario. At this point, I feel that there's a few things that we also see. There's a gap in the market, and as an entrepreneur, we should always be keeping an eye open. That what is the gap in the market? Once you know the gap in the market, you fill it and you're successful. So we see that few IPs that we're trying to create, which is going to be rolled out. It is under wraps. I can't speak much about it, but yes, we are looking to have our own IPs by end of this year launched for next year. And that would be consumer events. <clears throat> that is a mix. It's a consumer event, it, uh, consumer events, uh, mass events, and also something which is for corporates. Okay, and so pre and post COVID, uh, when you when you describe what happened in COVID, there was a lot of shift to remote events and production and online streaming and things like that. Did you did you jump to that and then have you jumped back or did you sort of wait it wait it out a bit? Uh, if I am still uh, probably in this part of the world, that means I adapted because everybody at that point was in a state of confusion. We did not know what has to happen, but then again, whatever that was coming, we had to be a part of that. So we learned it. For your information, there was uh, the kind of uh, uh, disillusionment. It was, everybody was disillusioned to a part where nobody knew what was happening. The most hit was travel and, uh, and events. Right. And we had cancellations like uh, nobody else's business and losses looking at. And as a big shop, we were also tempted. We were also probably cornered backs to the wall that probably we should probably just roll up and leave. But then again, that's where we put up our heads and we saw that head above the water is very important. I was a crisis committee president for events industry over here for ILEA. So we made a lot of uh, efforts to see if the industry could be afloat. 70% was hit. We learned. Uh, with everybody else as well. So we were into uh, digital events, we were online events, we were putting it together, and we had some good brands that we were managing it as well. So yeah, it was all adaptability. If you don't adapt, you're going to crumble. So we had the change and we adapted it. And uh, so, Dr. Harmik, so now in 2023, mid-year, so we're into August, it does feel like the summer and Dubai in general has completely bounced back. It's like, it's as if in terms of events and physical interactions, it's as if the pandemic never happened. You know, it went to zero quite quickly, but it's actually bounced back a lot. Did you expect it to bounce back as fast as it has? So I've had two recessions and one uh, pandemic, and I've seen <laughs> Dubai and UAE to bounce back, and uh, I've seen it and how. So 2008, uh, we had the the real estate crumble, we had the global, global recession, all of that. We had seen that probably there was such a negative vibe. 2009, we were planning, and 2009 end and 2010, I, w- I had started taking AMR real estate and properties to 250 different locations globally, and we were selling like anything. So it is to see that how Dubai has embraced and has seen also the fact that probably we have marketed ourselves and being very proactive towards that. So we go down, but then again, we bounce back very quickly. So. That, that email story, so you would do the sales exhibitions where the properties would sell? Yes, we had uh, taken them. Our first ones, I remember, was a very negative uh, buzz in, uh, in London. And I was there and there was a lot of uh, buzz that why should we go why to Dubai? Dubai? Because <laughs> they, they had such a negative uh, thing about that, that. And we turned it around. 
We had people to queue up outside uh, the venue. We had people to actually just five o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, which is uh, like in, in, in the winter, to stand outside the queue to be the first to take, uh, take a hand on a property from Dubai. Wow. So yeah, That's it was the marketing. It is, it is to do with that how we have actually accepted and created a platform for a safe haven for investors, for people to come, and that's where it starts from. That's fascinating. It's, you know, you say it sort of naturally that those are the type of events, but when you, when you think about events, we don't think of that story. We don't think of real estate in London. And I guess yes. that's how Plan B is international because you have clients doing set up activation things in other parts of the world. Yes, so globally we, 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 we looked at it. Globe, I think world is uh, just a few lines. And again, uh, business is a language that is understood by everybody. And that's what I see collaboration. People have started talking about it post-COVID. I have been a keynote speaker for collaboration because collaboration would always mean that it's a sustainable model. We have more people to join in. We have more that we can achieve out of this as well. So we have collaborative partners globally, wherever, and we have been achieving uh, success based on that too. And uh, your business model, you know, some companies in this space, they've, they've told me before that they work on project management fees. So everything that's uh, that the cost of the uh, infrastructure and say the pavilion and, and anything to do with the production is passed on to the client and then the project management fees are your fees. So is, is that how you do it or how do you, how's your, commercially how does it work? That's a rule of thumb when you talk about something that is an outsourced feature. So you have a, a kind of a costing plus your project manager fees. But then again, also there's a few other bits that we can add on to that. So like if I am putting in a real estate or a rollout model, so I managed EMAR, I have launched most of the property launches, including the the partnership between Manchester City and Aldar. Uh, in Manchester City Stadium itself last year. We did every every rollout model for Aldar on that one. So we also put in that if you're bringing in clients and if you're putting in with our um, uh, our network, we also get a commission on that as well. So it is to do with that probably we work hand in hand to see the success of that one. So there is multiple models that we can put together. So taking away some of the weight of the uh, financial side from the client that they see that we are also shouldering up this and we can make our money with our efforts. And the, the London and Manchester examples, uh, if you don't have an office on the ground, is that what you mean by commission? You partner with someone there? Uh, collaborative. I have an office uh, in London, but uh, as we do not have most services over there, then we outsource that. Yeah. And then we project manage it, or manage it. But then again, we also are we're not setting it up. We're not just putting it up. It's not like you come and that's ready for you. We're also looking at it that what is required. So we require for people to probably have more data, people who might be interested in investing in Abu Dhabi and in, uh, in UAE. So who are those people? How do we actually have them to be uh, brought horse to the water and, uh, and see that probably we are contributing to that? And if it is a hot lead and we can actually have uh, a collaborative feature that we can get sales as well, why not? And the, the types of uh, events now that are in the industry, how have they changed over the years, the requests that you're getting, the RFPs and the things like that? Uh, I think uh, things have changed pre-COVID and now is like, I think a lot of education has come towards when it comes down to from the client side. Earlier it used to be that probably people who were at uh, the decision making and signatories and, and people who were marketing things, they had 
very top line understanding of what is required now i think it's an edu- and it's it's a good thing as well because when you're dealing with an educated lot you can understand and you can explain as well so events have gone down from i need the best and the biggest from why should we do this and what is it that probably has is going to make a difference uh, a lot of events now static is something that probably is a thing of the past so interactive is very important you need to probably look at how we can probably interact with the, the audience how do we have uh, technology being uh, embedded in it so the language has changed uh, the experiences have changed uh, things are moving very quickly with ai and with a lot of things that probably people expect it to be so we have to be up with our research and uh, look at it that how we can adapt and what is it that probably we can do as a language so things have changed with the clients being educated as well and i think it's uh, it's a it's a thing that probably people from my perspective as an entrepreneur even and not an entrepreneur as a freelancer whatever we need to be up with our game with the fact that probably first of all rigid rigid means a wall that probably it is or a tree that probably cannot actually just stand in front of very strong winds it'll it'll just uh, it'll just break so we need to adapt we need to go with the flow and that's what probably we need to probably do with our knowledge and looking at how things are changing so that we adapt it yeah interesting and the, you know when i think of events in dubai uh l- lately there's they even get more impressive uh you know not just in the sort of ai and the activations but visually they get stronger yes. and stronger and the production uh has that in in sort of 19 years has that sort of enhanced a lot the type of you know sometimes there's drones exhibitions there's lots of things like that are are you providing those services around production as well yes we do and uh audio right. visual and everything audio visual everything and uh, we got limited resources on that but we've got our partners so we have got our project management team that probably works on what is going to be best suited for that it's also to do with that if even if you have uh uh a dish that has been prepared by someone if the chef is looking over mm. that means the dish has been pre- prepared as per the standard so we have project management teams limited resources on audio visual but then again we do have in house uh, when we look at events from our perspective but when it comes down to if even outsource partners are very strong with us so we take turn key on that and we project manage that yeah and have you seen you know in in terms of events at the industry in general um the digitalization of events has a lot happened around ticketing and you know uh online platforms to buy tickets and things like that and some apps sort of there's companies that you can have the app with the agenda and all that type of stuff uh but the physical part hasn't really been disrupted uh, have you how have you, how else have you seen digital sort of disrupt the industry i think digital has uh, made a lot of uh, impact in this part of the world i i've been a globe uh, traveler i see when i i, I was just uh, back home in london like in london as well i visited events i've seen events but what we do over here has taken another level when we talk about from i remember from uh, the old days i have been a part of uh, rugby sevens for past 17 18 years now i have been with mmi and sirocco working with all the key brands from hospitality of heineken and everybody else so from a ticketing perspective from an rfid to come into play from a qr code that probably gets you onto menu to probably have a service being provided to probably where you are what you need to and your timing that probably when you can pick it up a lot of things have changed and it's the experiences that have become more kind of uh, uh user friendly people who have been like uh, like we all have been digitized right now we all are 
known to the fact how technology and the association of uh, getting it uh, pretty much user-friendly, looking at convenience. So I think ticketing is one, but then again, experiences, uh, having the ease of uh, reaching out, having your, your seats looked upon, having your food orders, having your, your kind of, uh, uh, the complete journey has been mapped out on, on digitalization. Your, your RFID becomes your wallet. Your, mm. your, your QR code is your, uh, you, you just tap it and you, you get what you want, stuff like that. So I think it's easier, and I've seen that probably we are up for it. We are ready for it as well. We are an international uh, kind of a unit over here. So we look at it that, like, what we used to do, say, like, last month as well, we don't want to repeat it. It's like the same thing, that you're doing something for the first time. The second time, you're going to do it better. The third time, you're mm. going to do it much better. So we're getting refined every time. And that's where standards have been, like, bars have been raised, standards have been, everybody then picks it up. So anybody who doesn't pick up, then they lag. And that's what probably I think uh, the ecosystem has been over here. It definitely enhances the attendees' experience when yes. those things are smooth. Uh, people really it helps them plan it helps them get the most out of the event bigger or small uh, we're, we're actually uh, with Love in Dubai uh, we're partnering with the uh, Dubai Women's Run uh, and I believe that that's an event that you're putting on is it so how do, how do you what are the things with sporting events there's obviously you know road closures and permits and things like that um, are they harder things to pull off than say a brand event in a hotel uh I think uh, it, it, is, uh, it is a rollout model. It's the knowledge. So road closures and everything else. I have been a part of uh, the Athletics Federation. I am uh, been, a, uh, been a part of that for the last 15, 16 years. I, have, I was a strategy director for, as a first expat for UAE Athletic Federation as well, where we were looking at how do we roll out and get the youth to be a part of this as well. I think we are looking at the marathon, Dubai Marathon being the, the biggest and the richest run that probably is. I was a part of that for 14 years with PSA Vans, <clears throat> supporting them. I learned a lot. I think with the road closures, it's easier because RTA, Dubai Police, they're all equipped in Abu Dhabi as well. They're all equipped. They all, we all know, and it's something probably has not been that difficult. Uh, working out on uh, that or a hotel event, I think every, everything is based on your, your knowledge. If you're doing it for the first time, it would be. But if you know how to... It, it is the equal kind of a status that I would put this out. So as, as someone who sort of puts the event on, do you ever uh, feel that you have to sort of sell the benefit of an event in terms of, say, a brand, a, a sponsor or an advertiser? Or do you just feel it when you see everyone enjoying it? Uh, it is, it is uh, definitely something that probably when you, like a, a product like Dubai Women's Run, it's something that probably is very close to what I believe. I'm very passionate about it. it it's something that probably I am gung-ho about it. So I don't look at the financial or the commercial side of it. But then again, we have to. Because the sustainable part is that we have to get sponsors. We have to have people to probably be a part of it. Uh, it is an ecosystem. We get money and we blow it back, it, even if you're not making any money out of it. So it is definitely sponsors become a part of it and their partners. We look at it how they benefit as well. We look at that how we can amplify a brand to go out. So it's an association and uh, we do definitely look out. So as Love in Dubai is coming on board as well, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the interesting thing. We always do media partnerships as a media company, but I see the work that goes into organizing events. So 
uh, as a media as a digital focus media company we never run our own events and i'm and i recognize it as a completely separate business yes uh, as it is right? it is yeah <laughs> just, just like just like you know events companies who focus on that say don't do sort of digital streaming or our media or whatever uh, but then you know everyone sort of gets the benefits of events when they're done well like when you see uh, sponsorship of big big sporting events or, or brand activations and things like that and some companies uh, do you find in the corporate world that some companies <coughs> will try and do some of the management themselves in terms of selecting a venue and things like that uh, I didn't understand that one so for example say you say there's a say there's a global tech company mm -hmm. running an event in Dubai and they will pick Toda, the theater of digital art as an event uh, when at what point do they manage the event in terms of the uh, you know at, at what point do they sort of send out an RFP for services for management I think it needs to be from the beginning it needs to be from the start. So if they are looking at in, uh, uh, doing an event in Dubai, they should probably start it with hiring an agency. It is something that uh, as simple that if you're coming to a new place, a new location, uh, you would not know where to go. So you put the destination on a GPRS. So that GPRS is the company, is mm -hmm. the agency that you need to hire. So why reinvent the wheel? I think it is all based on the fact it has changed now. Earlier, it uh, it might not be, but now any agency that probably is over here, they get benefited from any international brand or any uh, event that comes across because the RFPs are flowing around, and this place has become like a buzz, like it's it's a hub for international brands and international events to happen over here as well. Corporate meets, uh, <clears throat> destination uh, features happening over here as well. So I think we are all enjoying that at the moment, and agencies do get. Uh, from the beginning, that uh, they become a part of it, from uh, the the venue recce, from looking at what's the kind of requirements, stuff like that. Look at COP28 this year. It has been like so many brands that probably are. Uh, we had a uh, few of the key brands that probably were already reaching out to us and stuff, and that's uh, that's how it is. Not now, but nine months ago. And what would they <coughs> do? What What is the reach out look like? Okay, is it completely blank sheet? Is it okay? I have an ESG strategy in my company. I need to be visible when an environmental global event is happening in the UAE. Uh, the event is on for one or two weeks. I need an activation. Plan B, help me. At times, it is as simple as that. <laughs> At times, it is even uh, more vague than what you just mentioned right now. We are here, and we would like to see what's happening, and we would like to probably be also doing that. So. It is vague at times, and but it is also very educated uh, at times as well. So we do definitely look at <clears throat> providing the best solution for what is required and then give options based on what we see on our market, market research on that particular sector. And that's how it is about the research and the knowledge definitely helps. Novices <clears throat> or anything probably as a fresh start, we can actually just do an eye wash, but that's where probably we would probably be not long term. So today, if 19 glorious years that probably we could consider all ups and downs and whatever that has happened, I still consider that we have valued our partnerships and relationships. We've uh, looked at, let's lose money, but let's not lose our clients or our partners. And we have had celebrating anniversaries. Uh, so like Rugby Sevens has been like 18 years. Yeah. For Crown Prince of Dubai Office, for Heritage Championship, Fazza Championship, it has been 19 years, like 18, 19 years. Yeah. <clears throat> so we've been working on long term. And that's what it, it helps because retain your clients and then build on more and word of mouth and your credibility will increase. You can 
buy a shelf company, <clears throat> you can buy or get the best employees, but credibility is not on the shelf. That's a good business advice, yeah. yeah. Uh, so <coughs> with regards to sort of company structure uh, with the events industry, did you, were there any times where you took on investments? Uh, do you work with banks? Like how do you, how do you manage capital? Uh, it has been uh, with, with, with the organization that we built 19 years ago. We have had a sustainable model. So till 2020, we had no banking facility that we had uh, to be availing or whatever. So we had our own capital that we were working on. Now we had an educated lot uh, post-COVID, so we still rotate whatever that we can. There's a thing that probably we need to look at. This, uh, again, goes with any company, any agency. When we get major projects, we have to probably look at bid bonds. We have to look at uh, bank securities to be given out. We have to invest till we get our advances, or at times there's no advances as well. So if you're not capable of doing that, then you are cut short of maybe taking up bigger projects. So we've kept ourselves uh, like backed by our own finances till date. Mm. That must take a lot of sort of discipline as well uh, with financial planning and, you know, knowing, uh, you know, sometimes I hear of in the sporting events, companies who uh, see an RFP and uh, they don't have all the skills to do it. So they kind of stay out of it. But then that, that, that then slows their growth because they can only because they haven't got the ability to do something else. And another event company can get bigger and can can do that work. I think uh, as the market sentiment is growing uh, positive, I would see that probably the banking sector, private financial uh, sector as well, will come out, and that would help uh, the industry for sure. In in a level that probably when we look at, we're cutting ourselves not only in uh, UAE but regionally. It has had a growth from last year. Uh, my uh, company, my uh, my. A Qatar office opened up last year and we were fortunate enough to be a part of FIFA World Cup. So we did the 100 days to go, actually 99 days to go. So that event was again a revelation for us and we worked towards a part where probably we do value uh, the kind of RFPs and events but we're also mindful about it. Yes, you're right, it, it limits a lot of times but I think that the market is opening up regionally as well and there are financial uh, support that I see that would be probably available for smaller brands and brands that probably would like to probably jump and go on the other side. And that's fascinating about Qatar. So do you judge your expansion and operations based on an opportunity around a specific event or is it strategic? In other words, you identify a country or a city and you say, I'm going to sort of look for opportunity there and put resource there. <clears throat> so <clears throat> it's a very valid question. So it's a lot of times when we discuss amongst uh, the industry. A lot of times, you might have heard a lot of people, oh, Saudi's booming, let's go to Saudi. Okay, yes, it's booming, but what? And what are you going to do about it? So we are known to the fact, till we do not know what we have to do over there, till we do not know that what is the expansion model, what is it that probably we are targeting over there, how do we actually just put ourselves out, are we going to get business or not? It's not about just opening a, organize, a company or an office, it is to do with that what is the plan. So business model, a plan, that is how we work. Our research is what we back it up. So it is not that Qatar we opened up four years back or like now or whatever. It was dependent on the fact that we already have worked with uh, FIFA, we worked with few key brands and uh, after things have opened up, why would we not actually look at the market? And then we saw the market, there's a lot of opportunity over there. Mm. And that's interesting. And then in terms of business development, uh, 
do you do you approach your clients and other clients in the market around specific events? So do you say, hey, you're the sponsors of FIFA, would you like to do an activation? It's it doesn't work like that. It is also to do with that as an overall marketing. And like I said, and I mentioned uh, just uh, a couple of minutes ago, credibility. So even though we are in different countries, the region itself has got a lot of credibility. So people do their research and people know. And what we have done over here, as UAE and Dubai has marketed itself so well, so what we do also gets marketed. Mm. And in that way, when we are working with people who might be the same people that we worked in UAE or Dubai because they moved to Saudi or maybe they worked in Qatar, our credibility follows us. And the way that we see we are <clears throat> going out, not for specifics, we get ourselves registered and uh, looking at it, that's what we look at the kind of model that we would like to be and what are we champions on. So we try to target the market through those uh, lowest hanging fruits and then create a bandwidth for ourselves. So say, say <coughs> COP28 obviously is big and Expo is big and there's many companies and vendors and suppliers involved. But say there's a sort of a one-off sort of three-day event like the World Government Summit here or recently in Qatar there was an economic event with Bloomberg or in Saudi you have FII. Is that something that Plan B can do end-to-end? -end? Yes, we can do end-to-end. And we have uh, positioned ourselves post-COVID to probably do end-to-end. -end. We were doing those things previously. Uh, but then again, now as the uh, landscape has changed and a lot of expertise that is required has changed as well. So we have equipped ourselves to based on looking at that we are capable of doing those end-to-ends. And uh, yes, we are already in uh, finalization of few of them this season before Q4. Okay, fascinating. And not, not that you mentioned Q4, it's, um, you know, we're thankfully <laughs> towards the end of the summer mm -hmm. and Q4 is always a very active period for events, for business. Uh, you know, what, what do you have on the horizon? What are you looking forward to? Uh, we're looking forward for the second edition of uh, Intercontinental Beach Soccer and Beach Volleyball. That's going to happen in November. We already acquired the... Uh, beach uh, soccer fifa world cup that's in february so it's lined up rugby sevens is there we got uh, uh for the championship back again which is going to be there dubai women's run is going to be uh, a key feature for us we are also in discussions which i cannot uh, talk about till we have a sign on the dotted line but then again yeah our season looks very busy You're very busy indeed and almost 20 years with plan b in the business what are you still as enthusiastic and passionate about it as you were at the start? The day that the passion goes away, I'm going to be retiring then. <laughs> it's a learning. I'm still a learner. And I see that probably there's so much that I, I, I learn every day, so much that I learn from this new generation, so much that I actually adapt. Otherwise, it's going to be such a boring place, right? And uh, boring is not for me. Or it's not for you and this region you're still positive about the outlook of the region uh i don't need to say anything look at the results yeah <laughs> when we everybody's talking about uh every problem that they might have from uh from uh, the price rise from oil to whatever we're talking about progress so we don't talk about things where we're trying to actually walk the talk and that's what this country this region dubai has done to me and i think like dubai Brilliant, brilliant note to finish on, Dr. Hamid. Thanks for telling your story and we follow Plan B in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank a you. lot. Thank you. Pleasure.
plenty of business people like out there, there who've been doing what they've been doing for about 20 years and uh, constantly uh, innovating, providing jobs, the backbone of the kind of SME industry of the country. So really pleasure to speak to him today. Uh, thank you as always to Shahir and Ali who put the show together and produced it, uh, edited, distributed it. It goes up on smashy.tv on all our smartphone and smart TV apps. It also goes out on Apple, Angami, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to it. Do please leave a review. And then the team, Casey, Annika, Simran, they push it out on Love in Dubai as well. Uh, it also gets cut up on our Smashy Business uh, Instagram accounts. Uh, if you do like this and you want to consume uh, other content like it and you speak Arabic, we have an Egyptian version of Dubai Works podcast now. It's called Cairo Works. Uh, so you can check that out. There's a couple of episodes by our team in our Cairo office. Uh, if you'd like to consume other smashy content that isn't business, you can watch uh, Sports Live from the UAE. We're just launching a new season. And uh, by the time this episode goes out, uh, there will be a special offer uh, to subscribe and see all the UAE local sports of so futsal, volleyball, handball, basketball uh, for the season ahead and you can get that on smashy.tv as well uh, we'll be back next week with a special episode for Emirati Women's Day uh, do tune in then